here. Do you know what beef is? Do you know what beef is? Ask yourself. Do you know what beef is? Hello and welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast featuring the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons, each who stares down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, sorry to tell you, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, which, as everybody knows, is a mountaintop monastery comprised of Shaolin monks slowly working out their careful moves in slow silence as a zephyr-like breeze passes through the cherry blossoms about the courtyard, causing the boughs to slightly twitch and shuffle. All right, here's my question about those monasteries. And, and since you run it, you can tell me. Yeah. How do they, first of all, how many of those things really exist? Or is that just a myth from like stories, superhero comics? And like, what, do people go on supply runs? Like who, like where do they get like food and, you know, household cleanser material and cherry blossoms, right? They need to like give it plant food or something. Yeah, they probably would. Well, I, I assume, again, if you're talking about the um, European monasteries, that was a grimmer. That was a grimmer setup because those were built like no, fortifications. No, but you, you literally did not talk about the European monasteries. Yes, you no, about the Asians and yeah, the, Sha- the Shaolin monks, exactly the ones who right. invent, the invented one, the, kung the fu. Members of the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, yeah, the Wu Tang Clan members. The original Wu Tang. The original Wu Tang Clan came from, <laughs> and then they moved to Staten <laughs> Island. From Bhutan. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, Shen Shenzhou. I don't know. I mean, how much of those things really existed? Like, I mean, maybe now or even a hundred years ago or five hundred years ago, like. The, the 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 archetype of the the Buddhist monastery on the hill that you can go up to and learn martial yes. arts or yes. mysticism yes. or meditation or other M things like did those things really exist? Or oh, they exist? must they must have existed. I think the question is it's like we love it as a culture because it becomes this point of fetishizing and also maybe the biggest yes. export the biggest relevant to our topic that. today. That's true. The biggest exporter of that, my guess was the film crunch of the 70s, the Golden Harvest, Shaw, Shaw yeah. Brothers films, who made no end of kung fu movies that you know were all set in the Shaolin. The Shaolin monks were the heroes of 10 billion movies. Anyway, all right. So we're way off topic here. Way, way off topic. Uh, on this show, we talk... Well, my name is Noah Tarno. I'm the founder and the senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show Spectacular. And on this show, we like to talk about, you know, we're getting old, Bill. You and me are getting old. we got to face it. We're old. You're wearing a paisley button-down shirt. We are fucking old. Keeps me young. It keeps uh, me young. It keeps you young. This is actually, the this shirt, shirt is, you can't see this on camera, everybody listening at home. But this this shirt is the only thing keeping my entrails inside. It's almost like a truss. <laughs> it, it, it's holding me yeah, together. Exactly. That's, it's and it has to be paisley. It's, it's got to be paisley. It's, yeah. it's, it's it oozes at a certain age. Your 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 intestines ooze out your belly button. It's, it's yes. Very no, that's that's a fact. That's actually uh, science. Yeah, it's science. Yeah, do your research. Um, so we talk about stuff that's hot, that's new, that young people are into. But this is one of these topics that the average age of people into. It might be around our age, but it's definitely. I mean, it's only what like a week old, and yes. everyone's talking about it. The number yes. one show on Netflix as of this recording, it is called Meat, a show called Meat. <laughs> A so- show about me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's beef. It's Show called Ground beef. Round, or as I know, as I've been calling it all week, beef. Yeah, beef. It, it, it it's gives what, its, it's what's for dinner. It's what's it for gives dinner. it. If for some reason, I I listen to a TV podcast called uh, uh, Television. Uh, no, not television. Extra Hot Grade. It's a subsidiary of Television Hot Pity. Mm-hmm. And they, every time they talked about the show, they stand on. It's just it's it's gotten in my head as yelling. You have to you have to yell the word beef. It's 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 beef! imperative. Beef. beef! 
Beef. Those who don't know, when we were kids, there were ads on TV for like the American Beef Council. Yeah. This is a this is a great. You got to admit, this is a pretty insidious, great slogan from their point of view. And the slogan was "Beef. It's what's for dinner." Do you remember who and did the real, uh, voiceover? Yeah, uh, Sam Elliott, one of those. Jim guys, Jim Garner, Jim Garner, Rockford himself. Jim Garner, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they get an old cowboy actor to, to basically tell you you're you're like a traitor if you don't eat beef for dinner, <laughs> and you know. <laughs> I don't know. Beef. It's what's for dinner. But the show has very little to do with meat or meat byproducts. Yes. Uh, it's a Netflix. It's number one show on Netflix. Uh, tell us a little about it, William. Beef is a comedy drama 10-part yes. miniseries created by a man named Lee Sung Jin. Also credited as Sonny Lee. He's, also, he's, he's alternatively... Um, I think his friends call him, and I've heard him in the interviews. Uh, people refer to him as Sonny uh, colloquially, but um, I don't know. Whatever we, we'll, we'll probably wind up calling them both. And it is currently on the Netflix television network. Uh, by if you get up and put a ball of tinfoil around a, an antenna and you point it south southwest, you should be able to get a static-free <laughs> feed from Netflix on your uh, cathode ray tube, which sits inside of a big as, as long as you don't hutch. use someone else's password. As long yes. as you don't use someone else's password, precisely. So uh, the series leads with uh, Oscar nominee, speaking of which, uh, Mr. Steven Yoon, uh, late of The Walking Dead and uh, a few other buzzy high-profile projects. Um, and uh, he's, he's counterparted, if that's not a verb, but I'm going to use it anyway. I'm going to create a verb. By Ali Wong, stand-up comedian, uh, who's, who's, I believe, most well-known for among other things she she did the tiger i think it was tiger mom or uh, that was like her she had a breakthrough um hour-long uh netflix show a couple of couple of breakthrough things and she's she's a los angeles um los angeles region stand-up comedian a lot of her things about being a first-time mother that was a lot of her set was about being um having a child and growing up you know, with really strict Chinese parents herself and wondering how what kind of parenting style would she would she, she take up she is she is she and her character in the show is the child of a Chinese father, Chinese American father, and a Vietnamese mother. Yes, yes. Uh, and the their they, their characters named are respectively Danny Cho and Amy Lau, uh, two people whose involvement in a road rage incident in the parking lot of a home goods store pits them against each other in a very Looney Tunes esque. Uh, you know, coyote and, and roadrunner type um, engagement through the course of the show. So uh, it, it's it's not that wacky. No, <laughs> no, no. But it's it's you can think of it if you wanted to. <laughs> not even it. close. Appearing in supporting yeah. roles are an actor named Joseph Lee, who's also doing double duty in Picard, the buzzy third season of Picard, which sci-fi nerds will really. Care about. He's in Picard. I didn't but know. No one will not care about this. Yes, uh, an actor no, named I hate Star Trek. Young Mazino, who's another look. All these actors are they're all Asian American. Uh, I mean, I'm standing on it because there's a there's a point to all that. That's the that is the point. Uh, David Cho. Re- who, really, they're all Asian American. I hadn't noticed. There's Sidney Toller with uh, his eyes pulled to the side. It's the same. Oh uh, come on. Yeah. Uh, David Cho plays a, a cousin named Isaac. David Cho is a breakout performer. He's more known as a, I did not know, he's more known as a visual artist. Some other Some, something's breaking out. That's for sure. Something's yeah. breaking out. Um, and an actress <laughs> named Patty Yasutake who plays um, uh, the mother-in-law, and she too is a Star Trek alum. She was in uh, Next Generation and the movies too as a nurse. So all ten oh, wow. episodes for Beef 
were released on Netflix, again, the televisual streaming service, on April 6, 2023, uh, which apparently still seems to thrive from that uh, drop-it-all-and-binge model, which, you know, the other right. streamers, and even to some degree Netflix, is, is kind of like thinking twice about. And, you know, we'll get into that as a minor point of all this. All right, so the, the premise goes as follows, as, as, as Noah was intimating. The near accident in a parking lot turns two strangers into enemies. They have a tit-for-tat relationship that develops and it leads to escalation. Uh, acts of revenge as Danny and Amy learn about each other's identities and families and become more and more involved with each other. It's on the way to certain tragedy. It it is it has certainly strains of comedy to it. It is most it is a psychological drama. I would say at its heart, um, you know, and like like the best shows, it doesn't just stick in one tone. And when it does change tones, it does so pretty adroitly according to what Sunny Lee wants. So yeah, Noah, I believe uh, before we went hot on the mic, you said you uh, you've got seven of ten down. Seven and a half. I'm halfway through number eight. Okay. Uh, what did you think of uh, what you've seen so far? Uh, hello, Susie. My cat is invading just just now. Um, yeah, I, I I find this very entertaining. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying this. I'm seven and a half in. I'm gonna finish it for sure. Uh, yeah, this is this is a well done show. Um, I think both uh, Ali Wong and Stephen Yuen are very good. Uh, I was I was only familiar with Stephen Yuen from um, Walking Dead. I watched like the first I don't know thirty two seasons of that, and then I'm like I get the point. But he was good, you know. I mean, he never jumped out at me, and you know, I, I I haven't seen the what movie was he nominated for an Oscar for? What was that? Uh, Minari. Minari. Okay, I didn't see that, but you know, okay. I'm glad this guy's succeeding because he's great in the show. And Ali Wong, who I was more like aware of than actually familiar with, I guess I've probably seen maybe ten minutes of her stand up all told, and I've read a bit about her. She's very impressive. They're both giving great performances. They're both quite good. Um, I like that this is a peek into a world that is both wholly familiar and not often seen on TV. I think this show strikes a very adept balance at being relatable to the mainstream or to, you know, uh, i.e. white culture or everyone in America by having these people be like a thousand people we all know, but they're still, you know, firmly Asian. And it's, it's pan-Asian in a way. You know, I, I, as I said, uh, Amy, Ali Wong's character, just like Ali Wong in real life, is 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 mixed heritage, Asian-American, uh, Vietnamese, uh, Chinese. Her husband on the show, the guy played by Joseph Lee, is Japanese-American and very Japanese. You know, he is the son of a, of a you know, a kind of stereotypical famous Japanese furniture designer, you know, and a, a minor but familiar archetype in our culture. And then... Uh, uh, Danny Cho, uh, uh, Stephen Yuan's character is, is wholly Korean American. You know, he's, you see his parents who are very, uh, you know, what what we all imagine is you know American dream Korean Americans, and you see his brother and his cousin. They're all they're talking about being Korean. So um, there's that element to it, but without shoving it in your face, you see the Asian American elements all the time the japanese furniture the the even when just uh, danny and his and his brother are talking about the normal bullshit that every guy talks about with his brother in the united states they're cooking and eating ramen you know so it is very adept at, at putting those stuff that stuff in without hitting you with it over the head or make or making it unrelatable to people who aren't of that no culture. shoes uh, on in the house noah not a single pair of shoes in the house it's is it's, that it's, is that all asian cultures or is that just japanese it's all asian cultures man 
Really? Well, yeah. you know, some friends of mine, freaking Aaron Grunfeld, can't wear shoes this, in his house. That's this guy right here, man. No shoes in my house either. Yeah, you. Oh, my God. You wouldn't let me put my backpack on a on a chair, dude. No, no way, dude. You, you're, But that's because you're a germaphobe. Um, yeah, well, you, you, you are the archetype of Asian American culture. We've all established that. <laughs> uh, the, so the Korean characters, there's a, there's a I don't know, subplot element where they go to a Korean church. And for those who don't know, you know, Christianity made a shit ton of inroads in Korea a couple hundred years ago. I actually looked this up. I was curious. 30% of South Korea is Christian. So I know a lot of the Korean diaspora in North America is Christian. So the Korean church is its own thing. It's a place here that I've never been to. I don't know. Watching these videos of them singing and, you know, playing guitar at the Korean church, it looks very much like a modern, you know, uh, uh, European-American church, but I don't know the details, and I even saw a headline like, oh, they really nailed the Korean church experience. So, cool. Uh, but And yeah, you know, look, I'm very entertained by the show. I like the show. But the show feels padded to me. You know, a problem I feel like we've had with a lot of shows, especially we've looked at recently, in movies, I had this problem with Cocaine Bear, is I feel like they're tonally inconsistent, Right? One moment, it's a wacky, you know, almost Looney Tunes-esque. These people meet, and they become arch enemies, and who's going to do what next? You know, bit of a spoiler, but at the end of the first episode, Danny pisses all over the floor of Amy's bathroom and then runs away laughing at her, you know? So it's got that kind of wacky, like, revenge escalating. But then there are a lot of moments where it's deeply earnest. I like the show best when it's the two of them at loggerheads, the two of them fighting. And I feel like that's... 10, 20% of the show, so much of it is the behind-the-scenes work of them getting at each other with these complicated schemes that bring in their family. There's a big subplot, again, we're giving away some stuff here, there's a big subplot of, to play Danny, Amy essentially seduces Danny's brother. And the scenes between them I find just not that great. I mean, they're well-acted, but I, I, I want to see more of the two of them fighting. I want this to be a little lighter, a little less... Ernest. They go down these rabbit holes. Um, and then in terms of the tonal inconsistency, you know, sometimes it is wacky. Uh, uh, Danny has this cousin played by David, what's his name, David Cho? Cho, uh, yeah. And more about him in a minute, who's like an ex-con or always doing some scheme, Isaac. And he's a pretty wacky character. He's sort of like the scumbag philosopher who we can kind of all relate to. And, you know, he's kind of a clown. And then Amy's mixed up with this uh, you know, she runs a, a fancy plant store and she's trying to sell it to the owner of the home goods store who's played by, oh, my big crush in 2005 or six, Maria Bello. Love her. And she is the stereotype of the extremely pampered, extremely rich, woo-woo white woman, right? She's a completely wacky character, right? So, like, I feel like there are times they're playing it more broadly and there are times they're playing it not broadly at all. Uh, so the bottom line is, I, I think the script needs another polish. I think it needs tightening up. I say that about a lot of stuff. Um, but that's how I feel. You know, it needs another polish. By the way, polish, one of the few words in English that changes its pronunciation when you capitalize the first letter. You ever thought about that? I bet you haven't thought I, about that. One time I heard uh, that, you know, two different synonyms of verbs, like, like recreate and, and recreate, uh, right. Not that not that anybody says recreate is a thing, but technically it is a word. Like you you put the you put the emphasis on a different syllable depending on which meaning right. you're, you're using. Yeah. You know. Right. Well, that's that's the magic of English. So I don't know. I think it's look again. I'm very entertained. I'm definitely in it for 
you know, I was I was one episode in and I'm like, I'm finishing this, 10 episodes. It's it's very entertaining. Definitely a big thumbs up. I highly recommend it. But, you know, people are holding it up as, you know, a great, awesome, super amazing show. And I don't quite go there. And this guy, Sonny Lin or Sonny Delight or whatever his name is, um, you know, talent. I want to see what this dude does next. So, so I enjoy this very much. I enjoy this very much, but I'm not going to hold it up as one of the great TV shows of all. I'm going to lead with the criticism I had, which I maintained every episode I watched this show. I kept thinking uh, this was a feature that was expanded into a series. Which yes, to, thank you. That's my thing. The padding, the padding, sure. unpad it, and you have one awesome movie. To be fair, yeah. to be fair, sure. uh, I would say that the thing is they make fewer and fewer features, so you can't make an independent feature uh, the way that you could in the 1990s when this ultimately would have been a 90 or 110 minute. Um, you know, pretty pretty concise, done movie. You know, that was the golden age of these things. That doesn't exist anymore. That kind of budget can't be put towards um, movies because they don't make money, but streamers want this material, but streamers have to have it uh, in a sort of decompressed, expanded form. So look, I don't know if uh, Sonny Lee's pitch was originally for a show or if he had this in his, in his you know, uh, drawer as a script, as a spec script that he wrote a while ago. But uh, it was developed with A24, which has this great imprimatur for being, um, you know, like an artist's artist colony kind of thing. Like they really do have a great luxe brand for, for, for like white shoe entertainment. And, you know, luckily, while this is 10 episodes, the episodes are 30 minutes in length. So that's five hours rather than no, 10 hours. No, they're like 40. They're, no, no, the, the first few were 40, but they really get to be about 30 as it goes on. You don't notice it goes pretty quickly. Really? Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a relief to be frank that they're not right. fifty-seven minute episodes like Stranger Things, you know? No, like, no, they're not. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. bullshit. Now I, I I put that out there, but it's like I will say that uh, this is very nearly a masterpiece f- for me, in spite of the wow. in spite of the right, the right. formal box that uh, this this would have been of uh, uh, this would have I see this existentially as a feature. We're getting it as a series. That's just what life is like in 2023. That's that's how showbiz works. In spite of that, um, Sonny Lee did a few of the things that I wouldn't have expected. You know, a, a creator who doesn't have a lot to his resume. He's he's worked at bits and pieces, doing episodes of Silicon Valley here and there. He worked on Tuca and Birdie for Netflix before, so he already had an in with Netflix. Um, but this is his first project that he's owned, um, and. Having to expand it, I feel like every digression uh, pays off. It's dense. Even in these these 30 to 35-minute episodes are dense. Every character that walks on the screen mostly gets an arc, even if it's a small arc. They get to describe an arc that actually shows a character changing from the moment of their entry to the moment you see them last. It's not that they go on a huge bildungsroman of like figuring out a whole thing in life. But you do get some, every single character gets an empathetic moment or a sympathetic moment. And his two leads... I never saw Ali Wong before, but she's incredible. And Stephen Ewan, I'm such a big she's very good. I, I wouldn't have. Uh, this is the thing people keep saying is that you know of all the Walking Dead actors, and it's like seriously, it's going to be the guy who was hiding out in the tank from episode one. Like that's the breakout actor. <laughs> one of the one of the preeminent actors of our age is going to be Stephen Ewan, yeah. and it's like yeah, man, we're living in the dude, Stephen Ewan world, dude. The most beloved dramatic actor of our age started out, you know, as the the clown in Bachelor Party and the guy in Dresses and Bosom Buddies. I mean, actors change, you know? 
Do you remember yeah. when he he had that horrible spell where he fell? And he thought he was in a monster book, and and he went to the top of the World Trade Center. He really thought he was inside of a inside of a, a dungeon maze, and, and and people thought he they really were worrying about him for the longest time. What you don't remember his like first TV movie was called Mazes of Monsters. It was part of the. Uh, I've never and, heard of this. Dungeons and Dragons, Satanic Panic, because he he started. We're, t- we're talking about Tom Hanks. We're yes. talking about Tom Hanks. It, it was it was a movie, a TV movie written by Rona Jaffe, who like did very you know ridiculous pot boilers, and she was so swept up with the Satanic Panic that she wrote a a, a hysteric book about how Dungeons and Dragons was I, killing people's brains. I know that people said that about Dungeons and Dragons. I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't CBS, know that about Tom CBS Hanks. television but, you know, movie. Th- yeah. The young generation, I remember telling my nephews that Tom Hanks started, like, when we were kids, he was a cl- – I, sh- I watched Money Pit with him because I still think Money Pit is a great it's comedy. Yep. It's hilarious. And it's not only great comedy, but Tom Hanks, like, you see his comedic chops. Like, he, he was no, he, just he, as talented a comedy he as invented, his drama. Like, he yes. He had a very Buster Keatney kind of way of prattful kind of thing that was not – Run of the mill. I mean, the guy is a good like. Put him back in a fucking broad comedy now. I don't know. I don't watch any of his new movies. For all I know, they're all comedies. But I think Stephen you know, Yoon, uh, among his peers of actors, Stephen Yoon has. Um, I, I, most people have not seen uh, the Korean movie he did called Burning. I think it was 2018, 2019 maybe, and it's just an insane uh, Hitchcock type thriller shot in, in Seoul. Um, and he has this charm. I'd put him up. He's almost like a, a young Cary Grant. He's got this affable, glamorous charisma, which he scales up and down. He can play almost almost any role, you know. Um, and and you know, like he and, he, he, and he's a good and he's a good looking dude. If you he's can if you dude, can get him, when like, I like him, he is he has delivered the goods on every single thing he's been in so far. And yeah, I mean that's you know this this series doesn't need to live or die necessarily by the actors alone. It just so happens that Sonny Lee has. Two of these incredible performers who do dig in and give performances of a lifetime for sure. What? What? What is your problem? What? So, Bill, uh, you know, as of this recording, beef has beef. been what's for dinner for only eight for only eight days now since it dropped on the Netflix televisual computer-based service. Uh, and, you know, we heard about it. We thought it was a buzzy topic. We're talking about it. So why? Why is it so popular? Well, uh, you got a fiery creator like uh, uh, Lee uh, Sung Jin, Sonny Lee, uh, depending on what you call him, who apparently has really warmed up in the minor leagues or in the batting cage for a while, getting a swing right. And this is his first thing. He's He's getting to author a total vision across 10 episodes. He was successfully fostered by a24 which is kind of like the uh i said the great brand the sort of cadillac or bmw of 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 movies of our age right now they don't make bullshit and everything they set out to make is generally more well crafted than the things around it and this is kitted out like we keep saying with some of the buzziest actors around right now steven yun is I think anything Stephen Yun steps out for, maybe again, I'm might be over hyping him, or I, he may be bigger in my head than he is in real life, just because I, I get really excited about actors. I love performances. I love following actors, almost like standing for them, like a team. You know, like I, I don't follow sports, but I think like I think actors, right. actors for me, kind of are my sport. That's what I, that's why I did. You're gonna you, you're gonna wear a jersey with Stephen Yun's face on the front. Yeah, and in the back, it's gonna say Yun and. And one of those uh, one of those batting helmets that goes over the shell goes over the one ear, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, something like that right. too. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So and and not you're, just you're, you're gonna buy you're gonna buy the Stephen Ewan uh, band aids now. 
Yes, he's he's going to be on uh, band aids and cotton. He's going to be on band aids. Stephen Yoon brand balls, ethyl sorry, alcohol inside, rub. Yeah, in, in, inside joke for us. Yeah, no more about. Uh, look, it helps. This is extremely well done, and I dance with psychology. Which the older I get, the the, the more I creep through my sixties, the more I'm just so interested and taken with with psychology. Oh, and. You know, and this is this is you know Noah nailed it before. It's the Asian American specificity on a on a level perhaps we have well we we white people maybe have never seen before. I know that there's plenty of entertainment, um, you know, made by Asian Americans that we don't that doesn't necessarily break out, but you may find it if you're looking for it if you're inside the Asian American world. But this is uh, this is a bullhorn. This is on blast and this has so much rich sociological mm-hmm. information that doesn't you know it, it is just baked into the DNA of this thing. It's just the flour that you make this bread out of. It's all over the place. Simple things like one of my one of the hilarious lines was um, the cousin was talking about working with some Italian American dudes and they said you're going to work with Italians and he says yeah, man, peninsula thinking. I'm like, I just, it's, it's, yeah. it's so slick. I, it's I, so I heard that too. Slick. I like that. Yeah, it was the great. idea that Koreans and Italians connect. And it doesn't great, mean they need thing. to. They need to hang out with. I know they need to hang out with people from Michigan, and it all works. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. No, I I agree with you. I think. Look, I think the strongest thing on this show, almost certainly, is is the two lead actors. I think the supporting cast are all competent. I think they're hit or miss in terms of whether they they go beyond competent. But I think Ali Wong and Steven Ewan are terrific. They hold the screen. They have good chemistry. I mean, that's why I want more of it just the two of them because I want the chemistry between them. I feel like we don't get enough of that. I, they I, barely I'm have scenes together. By that. Yeah. Right. I want the two of them. I want fights. I want scenes where they team up, scenes where they're at, you know, that kind of thing. I just want this to be the two of them show. And I, I, that's what I find most frustrating about. Well, whatever. I, I say the two of them are excellent. They have star presence, screen presence, whatever, star power, screen presence, whatever you want to call it. We are in a bit of an extended Asian-American entertainment breaking through the American mainstream moment. You know, a year ago it was Squid Game and then everything everywhere at once, right? So, you know, I think obviously things come from different countries. But as I said, this is a very pan-Asian kind of look. So I think the American mainstream is more open and accepting and perhaps even, you know, hankering for an Asian-American view on things. We are still, I think this, look, I think the show attests to we are still in the age of prestige TV. So people are open to this kind of stuff. I mean, maybe, maybe this is just the way TV is forever. Um, but I, I, I think next to the, the strength of the two main actors, I think, as I said before, the greatest thing about this that I think is very appealing to people right now is that it... it it is relatable, yet somewhat exotic. It walks the line very adroitly between the two. And I'm going to quote a writer, Inku Kang, from The New Yorker. I found this quote really interesting. She gave a very good review of the show. And she, she in her review, you know, says, reveals that she's Korean-American, so she has that view. So here you go. She says, but the series' most notable feat of representation is its centering of the mental health struggles of Asian-Americans. Amy's concern that she sacrificed too much for her accomplishments, and Danny's frustration that his efforts have yielded him none lead to the same place, a profound self-loathing that leaves them in existential terror of their true selves emerging into view. Okay. I I quote this because I think Kang is wrong, (laughs) but in a way she's proving the point of the show's strength. People being upset that they've worked too hard, sacrificed a lot, or people being upset that their hard work hasn't led to, 
uh, led to much. I'm sure that's an Asian American thing, but that's an every American thing. I certainly feel that, right? I think a lot of people, especially these days, feel this things, feel this, especially in the United States. I've worked all this for nothing, or I've worked all this and it hasn't been satisfying. And I think that proves the point is that maybe this is something that feels when you're inside Asian American culture is uniquely Asian American, but it's not. So that's my point. It, it's seeing it something very relatable through an Asian lens. So it lets people see the Asian world, but relate to it, right? It's not too exotic. It's just the variant on it. The two guys cooking and eating ramen, but their conversation could be had by any two, you know, late 20s, early 30, 30s douchebags sitting in their shitty apartment after they played Nerf basketball, right? So, you know, the show really walks that line. And I think that's something a lot of people do when they fail. And um, I think it's something the mainstream of America is hankering for. Noah, tell me, would you have liked this show as a kid? Yeah, why not? I mean, I don't, I don't really see anything here that would appeal to me less or more when I was a younger man. I'm sure I would have loved it. Uh, yeah, why not? I, you know what? I, when I was in my 20s, I was more into stand-up, so I might be more of an Ali Wong fan. I might kind of relate to slash be more jealous of her. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so yeah, why not? What about you? I, no, I don't think I would have graduated to this simply because on, on its face, um, you know, this looks like the kind of drama that was destined for 9 p.m. and later uh, in the old days on network on network television. <laughs> that, you know, it was a big barrier. Oh, no, come on. Stuff, that it, stuff wasn't this spiky. It was fucking L.A. Law. Give me a break. Hill Street Blues, 30-something. It, the thing is, simply put, it wasn't Cheers. It wasn't comedy made for me. It was something. It was the thing that you would eventually grow up. I had this idea in my head. It's like, well, I'll cross over some barrier as an adult, and all of a sudden, Hill Street Blues and Cagney and Lacey will be interesting to me by just you, one birthday to the next. You know what I mean? You, you, you did not anticipate, Bill, that you would never grow up. We didn't I didn't. That. No, that's true. I, I didn't. I have, no. a, I have a jet plane on my desk right now, which would indicate uh, that I have yes, not, in fact... Did. I have not, in fact, grown Plastic up. Plastic jet plane. And yes. how about how about this? So, you know, and I have to admit this that you know, I look. I came for a lot of people like from a primarily white suburb. Even watching something in 1984, like the Cosby Show, I had this feeling like I honestly did not know if it was culturally acceptable for me to watch something that you know. I did not know if the Cosby Show was a black show made for black audiences. If it was a crossover, I had there. I had it was no- a black show made for it was the Cosby Show was actually an apt comparison and God will it be heartbreaking if we learn that Stephen Yuen is raped people, right, right. but it, it was showing the quote exotic world without completely sanding down the edges. You 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 defiantly saw that the Huxtables were black, but making it relatable and right. friendly to a white. I'm just saying audience. it didn't stop me from watching the Cosby Show when I was a kid. But almost like without the guardrail or, or the sort of explanation, because again, we did not know black people. We did not know. I did not know black people. We did. I didn't even have in friends and friends in real life. It was it was the center of Suffolk County, were Long there, Island. Were there any black kids at your school? There eventually was somebody. A kid moved in, but um, for the most part, it was one kid. Oh, I I well, pity that kid that oh I knew God. that I knew. It was it was it was mostly Roman <laughs> yeah. Catholic. Of, of all stretches and Jew. That's who that's who they were. That's the, who I went to school right. with in the eighties. Oh, wow. So yeah, I mean the thing is I think that the idea that look, of course this is this is this is a minimum, that TV should be watched by everybody. You should watch things outside your bubble. But I'm just saying when I was that young where I, I noticed that the the, the the Huxtable family skin color was different than mine, I kinda didn't have 
a, a guide, you know, sort of a docent to just say something very simple that this is what you want, as opposed to ask me to figure it out in a sort of culturally confusing way. Amy? Yeah. Are you okay? Did something happen at Forster's? Oh, no, everything went great. So why is the excess of success of beef in any way a sign of the apocalypse? Uh, no, not at all. But this is where I'll just rehash the issue uh, I brought up at the top, which is the uh, the sort of balancing scale, like your feather against what is it? A feather against your heart when you go to the Egyptian afterworld of um, series over feature, and the fact that feature is getting clobbered right now because series is the the law of the land. It's you know, street Supreme Court has adjudicated it must be as such. So, I mean, look, the streamers have the money to make these things and they have they have endless little tiles on a billion streaming services that they have to put little things in moving boxes when you clip through them and they autoplay. You know, so, uh, you know, they're, they're entertaining pitches for episodic things over 90 minute movies. And, you know, like I said, this is a movie. This is a movie which somehow defies expectations. If I'm going to be a little forensic about it, that it was, in fact, expanded to a show pitch a vast expansion to five hours of content and it survives and he's you know sunny sunny lee is one of the few guys who actually probably was able to put this together in such a way that it doesn't trip on its own feet and and, and fall into the mud with the transition into something longer he he kind of uses all the pieces of um streaming series to tell a better story i think which is kind of the um uh, you know that's the contradiction to the to the rule for the most part and here we are yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I Maybe there's a problem in that something that should be a movie is made into a TV show, but come on, in, in the list of apocalypse things. I don't see how that qualifies, and I don't see anything apocalyptic about the show. I think when good actors, good performers, good directors, good creators are, are, are lauded and, and held up and viewed and, and you know successful, I think that's only a good thing, and it runs against the apocalypse. Um, one thing we want to bring up that we haven't yet is sort of the the news story about the show is David Show, the actor who plays Isaac, the kind of scumbag cousin, uh, almost also happens to be a, a pretty famous painter, and he did these paintings that are seen at the beginning of each episode, and I actually really like them. I like they're gorgeous. Style. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Uh, yeah, and it came out and it came out a few days ago that he used to do a podcast in 2014 or so on a podcast. He basically told a story in which he. He, he, he claimed he sexually assaulted a masseuse, forced her to go down on him or something. And his co-host, who was a woman, flat out says, like, you're making yourself sound like a rapist. And he later come out, came out and said the story was fantasy. He made it up and he apologized and he said I was a douchebag and all that. Um, so that's a controversy. You know, I don't know. Frankly, I, I think it's possible he did make it up. Plenty of people say stupid things. Not that making up that story and telling it is perfectly fine. But just want to put that out there. So I don't know. I, I'm not one to say I like the character. So I hope the character perseveres one way or another. But, you know, the, the, the world will do what it will do. And right here on EHG Prime next week, it is Netflix's Beef with Will <laughs> beef. Leach is back. Will Leach is back beef. with Beef. <laughs> Fun to say. I like saying the word Beef. <laughs> beef. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, tell me about jealousy. Is there anything about this series that uh, inspires you with the Green Monster? Of course there is. I mean, look up <laughs> Ali Wong's life. Like, she was like, I don't know, like a Rhodes Scholar or something. She's done it all. 
Oh, I, I didn't know that. Started. Is that for real, huh? Well, I know, Road Scholar. Something, some, some educational thing. Yeah, she's, she's like, I want to try stand up. She moves to New York. You know, six months later, she's getting press. I mean, she's. I mean, you know, those of you listen though, I tried stand up for a few years in New York and I failed miserably. Well, I wouldn't say miserably. It led me into something that I succeeded at, but not stand up. Uh, you know, and she had it. She had it, and I'm sure there was a dose of luck. Because there always is, no matter how good you are. But she's fucking good, and she's great on the show. And, you know, also as someone who enjoyed acting amateur-ishly and, you know, entertained thoughts of being an actor, this show, you know, like a, a role... Obviously, I'm not, I'm not of Asian descent, but a role like uh, Danny is the kind of role I pictured myself in, right? The kind of not-so-awful young male fuck-up, right? Trying to Trying to get ahead, but keeps getting in his own way. A, con- a conflicted not, hero, absolutely. Not that great a guy. Um, so, I, you know, I, I feel like that's the kind of part I always want to play. So there's a lot to be jealous here of, but whatever. You know, I'm thankfully I'm mentally healthy enough to, to put that jealousy in a box and shove it away and then watch the show and enjoy it. You know, this is such a um, comment on, you know, a specifically Los Angeles thing with, you know, I would say every ethnicity, every piece of Asian american context that it touches it it serves very well it describes the the korean different from the chinese different from the vietnamese american aspects of it you know the immigrant story baked into this is subtext all that stuff um what i get jealous of is the fact that this is a level of craft and you know and, and successful execution of that craft it makes me jealous and I don't have a story burning inside of me. I mean, this is exactly the kind of like specific sociological thing I might have wanted to do more of when I decided to pick up a camera around 2009, 2010. The reason why I wanted to study editing and film filmmaking and things like that, storytelling, any little bit of screenwriting. This is so specific. And again, it just it gets into a world and it describes it so honestly. Um, you know, where the people inside that world nod, but that sort of knowing head shake of saying, yeah, man, that's, those are my parents. That's my brother. That's this thing that, you know, people on the outside can view with, you know, through the proper context, but won't feel as organic. I mean, that, that is great. Um, it's worth mentioning that a lot of the people on the show, aside from Sunny Lee, there, there's there's some Asian creators, but it's a lot of white people, you know, that are directors. A guy named Jake Schreier had run like five of the episodes. And so, you know, there is a traditional Los Angeles Hollywood machine, um, even if a lot of the, you know, the head the head of this thing is Asian American. Um, you know, that's that's what that's an influence in its essence. But, you know, it's being acquitted by a lot of white people who are apparently getting they're getting it. They know how to do these shows. You know, that's that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm jealous. This is one of those things that makes me jealous as a content creator of just wishing that I, my soul had something that I could, like, describe in such a way that 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 Sonny Lee is doing with this uh, project, that kind of thing. All right. No, let's uh, pivot to the last uh, uh, segment mm-hmm. here, which I'm going to call. The Dave Filonian scale. Dave Filoni, of course, is now. I'm going to introduce this as a, a. He's the guy that worked on a lot of Star Wars cartoons, and he apparently has become one of the driving force on the Mandalorian and all these Disney streaming shows for Star Wars. And I think you had a very simple show on the Mandalorian at the very beginning. I think we both enjoyed it when it came out of the box, and it's become so. Uh, stuck in spider webs of continuity and things that they're bringing out of, um, you know, shit that nobody paid attention to. It's becoming such a complex woven web of bullshit. Um, 
cartoon characters being cast in real life and continuity and and all this shit and it's like what was at one point baby yoda and lone wolf and cub and a really simple execution is being turned into something needlessly bit baroque and so for the for the sake of for the moment we're going to call this the dave filoni in scale uh on the XYZ axis of things, because you know, we touched on his his influence before. That so, was that was not worth it, Bill. That was not worth. Believe it. it. I, it's, it's totally worth it. I'll, we'll get okay. back to it at some other episode. All right. All right so so where does this fall Dave, on the XYZ fine. axis? Dave Filonian scale. Okay. Uh, so you know me. I like to compare like to like. You don't. So you know I I I I plot it against other recent. I plot beef against other reason. Beef. Other reason. Other other recent. Uh, protein adjacently titled uh, TV shows. No, not pro- just TV shows. So here's what I came up with. It's six-ninths of Succession, right, which I loved. It is 30.6 times Yellowstone, which I hated. Or you take the average of Better Call Saul, The Sandman, Euphoria, and Squid Game, you add seven, and you arrive at beef. Wow. Um, you yeah. know, I, I yeah, fitted it. I, you, you know it, man. You know it. You know it. You know, I just got the punch cards out of my Univax machine. The math adds up. Somehow you, you called it correctly, too. Yeah, it's it's difficult because we don't have, we didn't do episodes on kebab. We didn't do episodes on uh, halal lamb. Like, we don't have other uh, appropriate, like you said, protein. Chick, there was not a show called Chicken Wing, for instance. We don't have that. No, there was, yeah, not, not a show called Yak. Uh, yes, that's true. Yak jerky or beef tartare. Uh, the Yak way that jerky. the, the what is yeah, it? The, beef the, the, tartare, the yeah. Genghis Khan and his horsemen used to put uh, pieces of, of rough hewn beef under the that's saddle, right. and through a that's day right. of riding, it, it tenderized the meat. Yeah, yeah, and that's how we got. Uh, that's how we got hamburgers. That's true. So. Um, you know, yeah. it, 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 I was, was going to say. Was, Most people don't you, know this, but Genghis Khan was Genghis Khan was from Hamburg, Germany. Most people don't know that. It's a yeah, misconception. They, a lot of, well, he established yeah. established yeah. Hamburg, Germany. He wore a Hamburg hat. Yeah, as Hamburg, well, Germany. Yeah. yeah, wear a Hamburg hat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to say, it's amazing how I tend to go from feast or famine, you know, within our options in here that I am either like completely lukewarm and apathetic to what we're talking about, or I, I seem to get very enthused about a, a small portion of these things. But there's very little. In well, between, you, there are things you had. Someone the other day brought up to me Ryan's world. And I had to yeah. say, oh, my God, my friend Bill, like, thinks that is the worst thing in the history of mankind. Like, it's yeah. up there with. And, they, and your friend did, too. Believe me, I still hear about Ryan. They parents. <laughs> hate Ryan's world. They fucking yeah. hate it. Yeah, it's, um, it's terrible. Yeah. I, look, I, I liked a lot of things in the show, but I'm, I'm kind of like loath to compare it to the things that I have liked because I can't find something of this echelon in terms of how well it's done. This is... I mean, even wow. even like, you know, when we talked about Key and Peel and stuff like that, you know, really well done piece of art, Black Mirror. Um, I just... I don't... I did not like those things as much as this kind of got to me. Um, and so... I don't really have an app comparison. This might be the the new leaderboard thing, you know, at the top of the scale. In terms wow! Of, yeah, more than I, more than Death Note. I always think yeah. Death Note was your favorite. Death Note was Death Note was really well done. Yeah, the the original thing was really well done. It's just yeah, I think that this this is more this again something about this the construction of this is more thumbprinted for me. You know, one of the reasons mm. I, I was telling my wife last night about. You know, she wasn't watching. She watched the first episode or two, but then I burned the rest off on my own. Um, I, I said, you know, it reminds me of the reason why I love The Sopranos so much. And The Sopranos, chiefly among all their, their uh, television, is because it, it was so nakedly and accurately about human psychology in a way that very few shows. I mean, granted, everything's about psychology, but it doesn't acquit the job the way 
that Sopranos did. And, you know, granted, there are other shows that are great, but they're not necessarily all about human psychology in such a, you know, apparent way that does it so well. And I'm like, I think that this show attempts that same thing where it really just tries to be about psychology and the plot is, you know, the plot reflects what's going on inside people's heads and it's 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 built from the correct soil, I think. And, and that's why this might be uh, the new best thing that we've we've done on the show. Yeah, and I, you know what? I probably would not have watched this. All right. I, because it's the streaming thing, because it's fucking 10 episodes, I probably would have let it go if we didn't watch it. I would have missed out on it if that had been the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, all right. If you say so. I know, do say agree so. agree to disagree here. I do like it, but okay. If you want to go back and find our conversations about other things before that we've nattered on and on about, you, you can look on uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill don't get it at gmail.com. Give us a review on the alligators because people find us by traffic. It, the churn of uh, uh, algorithmic traffic is what puts things to the top, and who knows what this fucking weird sorcery is, but help us at least try to get into it a little bit. I'm on Twitter and uh, at, at, at William Scurry, also Instagram, all the socials, things like that. Mastodon, even though I don't know what the fuck is happening with yes. that. I, I, I am still there. I know. But, yeah. Still exists. Still on Mastodon. YouTube.com slash He's still on Mastodon. He's still, he's, still, he's still playing Among Us. He's still on Clubhouse. All these old topics that were the biggest thing for two weeks. Clubhouse. Oh, Substack. Find my Substack, everybody. No, Substack's still in the news. Yeah. Uh, Substack. There's a video that went viral this week. The, the guy who took over, not Substack, Substack Notes, and he was interviewed, and they said, how are you going to, you know, what are you going to do about people saying Nazi stuff and horrible things? And he had no answer. He was completely unprepared. It was just bullshit. And the guy held his feet to the fire. And he's like, you realize you're fucking up this answer. You realize the easy answer is we're not going to let people say Nazi shit on my platform he's like freedom of speech he's like this is not freedom of speech you are the ceo it is privately owned like you have no answer here you realize you're making a fool of yourself and the guy just looked like a deer in headlights it was kind of great but also kind of sad it's awesome anyway where can we find you sorry uh i'm not on substack i am at bigquizthing.com learn all about the finest provider of corporate and private trivia events uh nationwide worldwide uh number one trivia company in america for over 20 years. And in fact, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary. Uh, we are posting these days a series of videos of me looking back at some of the questions asked at the very first trivia event, low those two decades hence. Uh, and, you know, watch various videos on our site, take a quiz, fill out a quote calculator, and find out how you can bring the finest in live trivia entertainment to you uh, in person or virtually for your corporate event, team building event, fundraiser, private party, etc bigquizthing.com and uh, i personally am on instagram at the noah tarno because bill there are other noah tarnos you believe that but i yeah. am the noah tarno so they're duplicates the tarno and doppelgangers instagram. yeah they don't look like me though it's sad uh so the noah tarno check it out and uh yeah bigquizthing.com more important all right, so until the next episode where we get into a fender bender with each other and spend the resultant 51 minutes trying to seduce each other's siblings, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2023.